As you do, please turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 19, and you'll find that on page 947 of your Bibles. Daniel chapter 9, we're going to read the first 19 verses today. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent a Mede, who was, making, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps the covenant, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame, as at this day. To the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame, to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he has set before us by his servants, the prophets." All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us, by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done. And we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself as this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your, righteousness, your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all those who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servants, your servant, and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate, 
O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this prayer. And we pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our minds to this truth, that we would be changed for your glory through it. In Jesus' name, amen. The disciples came to Jesus and they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And as a result, we have the Lord's Prayer. Uh, One of the reasons why we pray the Lord's Prayer often in church is not only as as an act of prayer here in the worship service, but to learn that prayer, uh, to learn the Lord's Prayer, to have it as part of your being, who you are, so that you can take the elements of that prayer and apply that to your own prayer life. Uh, Today we look at the book of Daniel chapter 9, and the first half of Daniel 9 is a prayer. And we would say to Daniel, teach us to pray. There's much that we can learn about prayer from Daniel chapter 9. All of us want to have a prayer life as we pray to God that is filled um, with excitement, with energy. Uh, We want a healthy prayer life, uh, unless perhaps um, everybody here, regardless of your spiritual uh, depth, uh, maybe your faith is small and and just starting out. Uh, If you're an atheist here with us today, maybe that's not where you're coming from. We're glad you're here with us if you fall into that category. But just about everybody wants to have an energized prayer life. Sometimes we think of prayer, we know that prayer is something that is important. Uh, We want it to be vital. Um, It might be a little bit like... um, some of us, as we get a little bit older, uh, we, we know that we need to maybe lose some weight and get some exercise because it would be good for us. Uh, when I was in middle school, my basketball coach nicknamed me Bones uh, because I was so skinny. Uh, those days are long gone. It was hard for me to gain weight back then. It's not hard for me to gain weight anymore. A couple years ago, the doctor said, you've got to lose some weight um, for your own health. And so I did that. Uh, wasn't particularly fun, uh, but it was important. And sometimes we think about prayer that way too. We, we want uh, prayer to be more vital because we know it's important. Uh, and yet we want it to be more than just doing it for our own good. Uh, we, we want to be energized in our prayer. So today we're going to look at the book of Daniel to help us to have effective prayer and energized prayer. We're going to be looking at five different points uh, from this particular chapter that helps us understand how to pray in a more vital way. Uh, The first is that we need to pray with one hand. We need to pray with one hand. We need to pray with an open Bible in one hand. And so we pray with one hand. Not literally. Uh, You can do that if you want. But we need to do what Daniel does. Daniel is praying out of scripture. Daniel 
is taking a cue from Scripture and a number of cues from Scripture, and therefore he's praying. First and foremost, Daniel understands, because he is a reader of Scripture, that the prophecy of Jeremiah regarding the exile of the Israelites is about to come to a close. He reads the word of God. Daniel says in chapter 9, verse 1, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by Mede, descent of Mede, who was made king of the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer. Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied, and others had prophesied, that that Israel would be taken into captivity, into the land of Babylon, because of their idolatry and their sin and breaking covenant with their God. At Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 11 and 12, says this, This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. And then in Jeremiah 29, verse 10, For thus says the Lord, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Now just a brief word about numbers in the Bible. Uh, Numbers in the Bible can be used at least three ways. They can be used precisely, they can be used approximately, or they can be used figuratively. We'll talk more about numbers uh, next week uh, because pretty much the whole sermon is going to be brought to you by the number seven. Next week, Uh, there's a lot going on in terms of numbers next week. But understand here in uh, this portion of the book of Daniel that when he uses the word 70, it it is either literally 70 or approximately 70 because he's counting the time down and he's realizing that 70 is almost up in terms of the number of years. And he realizes that the Lord has promised to deliver his people after 70 years from their captivity. He also realizes that a second aspect of Jeremiah's prophecy has already come true. Uh, After 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. You'll read here, chapter 9, verse 1, in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent a Mede. And as we've said in previous sermons, that he uh, became king by overthrowing the Babylonians. We have a new, uh, we have a new dynasty in the house. We have a, a new country that has come in and has taken over the Babylonians. Daniel realizes that God is answering his prayer, or answering his uh, prophecy before his very eyes. And so he goes to praying. He's a student of the Bible. To pray well, to pray effectively, to be energized, we need to study the Bible. When it comes to shopping, you can shop in one of two ways. You can be a hunter, 
or you can be uh, an opportunist. Okay, I am. I'm a hunter. My wife is an opportunist. I decide I want to buy a pair of blue jeans or whatever, and I go online and I do my research and I find out which are the best and what the best price might be, and I look around and order it online or go to the various stores in town, and I, uh, in relatively short order, I, I hunt for and I get uh, the product I'm looking for. My wife often, on the other hand, will keep something in mind that she wants, and she will look for it, and she'll look for it for weeks and months, even over a year, and she will get it for 70% off uh, because she is an opportunist in her shopping. We need to be both a hunter and an opportunist when it comes to studying God's word. There's something that we benefit from when we have a particular question about the Bible. We want to learn something about a theological point or a practical point, a point of application. And so we go to God's word and we study it in order to learn more about it. We can ask pastors in the church. We can uh, go online and uh, look for things online. Be careful there. There's a lot of bad stuff, bad information online, but there's a lot of good resources as well. And we learn uh, about this particular point. In a similar way to the opportunist, uh, we just learn as we uh, take the Bible in hand and read it every day. I read the Bible daily. You come to church on Sunday and you you learn things. Most of you today probably didn't come uh, with a burning desire to, to learn more about prayer. But some of you might. Some of you, the, the Lord's kind of laying that on your heart. And you're just thrilled because we're talking about prayer today. You've had questions. But it's just an opportunist. You just you learn. Uh, we uh, provide you with easy opportunities to be an opportunist. Sunday school. Uh, 9.15 every Sunday. Uh, why wouldn't you come and take advantage of it? It's just an hour earlier. It's really not a whole lot of um, difficulty or commitment to get here an hour earlier. Uh, granted, today might have been uh, with the time change, but usually it's not such a big deal. Uh, we have adult Sunday school classes. We have children's Sunday school classes. We have Sunday school classes for youth where you can just come and take in and learn about the Bible and learn about the truth uh, and soak it in and receive an opportunistic study of God's word Wednesday night. Again, we have we make it easy. We've got a meal uh, that's cheap and good. Uh, you can come and have that fellowship, and you can receive training. For instance, we're going to talk about the biblical subject of forgiveness. Our children meet, our youth meet at the same time. So this is not to sort of um, heap guilt on you for not coming. It's just saying be an opportunist in your study and your understanding of God's word, you benefit from that and you take it and you apply it to your prayer life. You have not because you ask not and you ask not because you're ignorant about what you could be asking for as you lack an understanding of scripture. As you grow in your understanding of scripture, you've got more ammunition, as it were, in your prayer life. Secondly, we learn from our text today that we are to pray with God's promise and purpose in mind. God has promised uh, to send Israel into exile. Uh, that may not sound like a very cheery promise, but God keeps his promises. And we know that 
Daniel is keeping that in mind. Daniel chapter 9, verse 4, who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who keep his commandments. Verse 11, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice and the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. Centuries before, Daniel knows that written in the law of Moses in Leviticus were these words, Leviticus chapter 26, 14. But if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my statutes and if, you, if your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, verse 31, I will lay your cities waste and make your sanctuaries desolate and I will not smell your pleasing aromas and I myself will devastate the land so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled at it and I will scatter you among the nations and I will unsheath the sword after you and your land shall be a desolation and your cities shall be a waste. God has promised that, and he has fulfilled his promise. But then there is a more positive promise in the law. Leviticus 26, 45, God goes on to say, But I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. God has made a covenant with his people. God has made promises to his people. As we learned when we studied the book of Hebrews, a covenant is a bond in blood, sovereignly administered. That's Palmer Robertson's definition of a covenant, and it's an excellent uh, definition. The children of Israel heard uh, the, the words of the covenant, the law given to them, and they said, we will do uh, the words of the law. And Moses took uh, blood and sprinkled it on the people. Um, now, if we did that today in the worship service, if I said, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, and I took a branch out and sprinkled you with blood, it would make a point. You would, you would understand the, so the blood of the covenant was shed and enacted and vows were made and oaths were made and God bound himself to his people uh, at the time of the law. We have promises that God has made to us, his people. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you or forsake you. Psalm 23.4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Psalm fifty fifteen and I, and call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Philippians four six and seven. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Matthew 7, 9 through 11, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for fish, will give him a servant? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, 
give good things to those who ask. And as you know the promises of God from God's word, and as they become part of you, you can pray those out to God, just as Daniel prays about God and his nature and his promises in this book. And there can be warning promises that we know as well. Romans 12 to 16, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Ecclesiastes 12, 14, for God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. There will be a day of judgment that God has promised. And we can pray that God would prepare us, prepare our hearts, and to live uh, in the reality and not forget uh, that there is going to be a day when Jesus Christ is going to return. It's reminded, preparing for the sermon of um, the last series we completed on Wednesday night by R.C. Sproul. It was a series that uh, he recorded many years ago, and uh, many of you know that R.C. Sproul just passed away a few weeks ago. And at the end of that series, he quoted from the book of Hebrews. And in the book of Hebrews, the author of the book of Hebrews uh, talks about the martyrs who uh, were killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And it describes them this way, that the world was not worthy of them. And Sproul said that when I get to heaven, um, I don't want to hear God say, the world was worthy of you. And so he lived in that reality and that understanding that there was a terminus. There was going to be an end of his life. He was going to be before the Lord. The Lord made certain promises. And so he was informed uh, by God's word. And we're informed by God's word. And we, we take that Bible with us to prayer, understanding that he uh, keeps his promises. And we also pray with God's purposes in mind. What is God's purpose? God's purpose is that he would receive glory. We learn from our catechism that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Daniel prays that God would receive glory by answering his prayer. Daniel 9.15, you've made a name for yourself. Daniel 9.17, for your own sake and for your sanctuary. 9.18, uh, and the city that is called by your name, Daniel nine nineteen, delay not for your own sake the people who are called by your name. Daniel says, God, I'm thinking of your name. I'm thinking of your reputation. I'm thinking of your glory in my prayer. God demonstrates something of his character in answering Daniel's prayer and in answering our prayers. He demonstrates his mercy. He demonstrates his forgiveness, his saving actions in uh, answering the prayer of Daniel. Moses comes off Mount Sinai. He's got the Ten Commandments. They're still uh, warm from engraving, so to speak, from the hand of God, and he comes down, and they've already broken commandment number one, right? Uh, They're worshiping the golden calf, And uh, God says in response, Moses, I'm just going to kill these people. And so how does Moses respond? He's talking to God. He's praying to God. Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. He appeals to God's reputation. 
and God responds. The Lord relented from this disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Joshua and Caleb are part of the 12 spies that go into the land of Canaan uh, after this. And 10 of the spies say, we need to run away. There's no way we can win. And Joshua and Caleb say, no way. God's with us. We can take the land. And how do the people respond? They want to kill Joshua and Caleb. And they want to get rid of Moses and get another leader and go back to the land of Egypt. And the Lord said, how long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me? In spite of all the signs that I have done among them, I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But the Lord's, but Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought us this people in your might from among them. It is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give them that he has killed them in the wilderness. So he's, again, appealing to God's glory and his reputation. And God says, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Lord, may you receive mercy, may you receive glory in mercy. Um, I've been in the hospital with people uh, recently uh, where people have been near death and I've prayed, Lord, have mercy on this individual for their good, for their family's good, and for your glory, that you would receive glory as you respond, as you answer our prayer, uh, that we might praise you and give you thanks and glory for being a merciful God. Jesus said, we should pray, hallowed be thy name. That in our prayers, we should be concerned with the glory of God. May your name be revered. Who is it that you honor? Who is it that you esteem highly? My sister, Bev, is a teacher. She teaches a special uh, education students, and uh, one of her heroes is uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. Some of you know who Johnny Erickson Tata is. She is a quadriplegic, and she's done quite a bit of ministry and work with um, disabled people. And um, my sister was looking forward to for months of, of seeing Johnny Erickson Tata, hopefully meeting her, bringing her class to an event that was taking place in Orlando. And as many of you know, my sister uh, has been wrestling with cancer and recently has had to have chemotherapy. And the doctor said, um, you can't be around people. You can't risk uh, getting an illness at this point. And uh, she said, can you make an exception for this? I really, really, really want to see Johnny Erickson Tata. And they said, no. Uh, I saw her recently. I said, maybe you need to go over to uh, the Kennedy Space Center, get yourself a space suit or something so you can, you know, be protected, uh, nothing doing, she wasn't able to do it. And so um, last week uh, she came and her class got to go, but she didn't get to go. And so um, as part of their time there, Johnny Erickson Tata took a video of the class and she recorded a message to Bev and she said, uh, thanks for all that you do for people with special needs. Uh, and I understand you have some needs of yourself, Bev, and so I'm praying for you. Well, that meant a lot to my sister. Somebody that she esteemed highly was concerned for her. 
now. The God, the creator of the universe. His glory is beyond any person, any individual. He is perfectly uh, holy, perfectly righteous, perfectly good. And he has said, as you come to him with your Bible open, he speaks, he speaks messages to you. And we have an opportunity to communicate with the creator of the universe as we dialogue with him in prayer. Uh, The one that we esteem, we give glory to. And so we do that when we go to God. His purpose is that he would be glorified and we communicate that in prayer. Number three, we pray concerning God and his imminence and his eminence. Okay? The grandness of God is his eminence, and the closeness of God is his imminence. We, uh, I, the, if you're going to address a Roman Catholic cardinal, the proper way of addressing uh, the Roman Catholic cardinal is his eminence, means somebody who's great. We speak of immigrants. They come from far, and they come near or close to us. God is both great and grand and holy and righteous He's other. He's different than we are. He's eternal. And yet at the same time, God is close and near and cares for us. Our Father, our Father, he's close, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He's great and he's grand. And our prayers need to convey both of these things. We find that that's exactly what happens here. Daniel chapter 9, verse 7, the greatness of God. O Lord, To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, verse 16. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, the entire tone of his prayer is one of respect. It's not of flippancy. It begins in verse 4. O Lord, the great and awesome God. But he also demonstrates the fact that he knows that God is near, that God is close. Verse 9. To you, O Lord, belong mercy and forgiveness. Verse 17. Now, therefore, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. God is someone who cares. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people who are called by your name. We are in a covenant relationship with God, just as the Israelites were in a covenant relationship with God. We have this special relationship with God the new covenant, the covenant enacted through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for us and the shedding of his blood. You know, Daniel chapter 9 is the one place in the book of Daniel where the word in Hebrew for God, Yahweh, is used. That is his special covenantal name. And, it's, uh, and it tells us that this is a, a passage that, that focuses on this Loving kindness, this covenant relationship that we have with God. It's, it's here seven times and in no other places in the book of Daniel. And so we come to God and we say, God, you are grand, you are awesome. Um, and we, we say, God, you are hallowed. As some I've heard in prayer call God daddy, my daddy in heaven, my father in heaven. And that's great as long as you also call God your ruler and your king of kings. Uh, We don't want to come to God in a flippant way. God is not my homeboy. He is not the man upstairs. 
Uh, he is the creator and sustainer. <clears throat> At the same time, if you can't, if there's something in you that can't speak to God in a, a close and intimate way, then there's a problem there. God is not simply somebody who is far removed. He is somebody who is close through the work of Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and so God is eminent, and God is imminent in our prayers. Fourthly, we pray from a personal and a people perspective. We pray from a personal and a corporate perspective. <clears throat> in Leviticus chapter 26, verse 20, um, we have recorded here, but if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers in their treachery that they committed against me, uh, that God will bring them back to the land. So there was a qualification that they needed to confess their sins. And Daniel knew this. And so Daniel came confessing the sins of the people of God. We have no indication that Daniel committed any of these sins himself. Uh, just the opposite. Uh, Daniel uh, did, was not an idolater. We find that Daniel is uh, completely upright in terms of his, um, his obedience, in terms of the idolatry uh, that, that he's confessing of his people and the sin that they've committed. Um, and nevertheless, Daniel confesses on behalf of his people. Now, some have said, even, for instance, as we uh, confess our sins here corporately in church, I've heard some say, well, there are particular sins that we mentioned that don't apply to me, and I have a hard time with this confession of sin. Well, I'd encourage you then to confess it for somebody else, okay? <laughs> confess it corporately for others here who uh, may not have committed that sin. Because while all of us sin, and Daniel sins, a particular sin on a particular day or a particular week you may not have, have sinned. Sometimes we think, well, if things are going bad in my life, uh, I must have done some particular sin uh, to merit this. It's sort of the um, Julie Andrews and the Sound of Music. You know, she, she sings, for here you are standing there loving me whether or not you should. Uh, so something in my youth or childhood I must have done something good, right? But then later in the movie, when they're chased by the Nazis, she doesn't sing, so somewhere in my youth or childhood, I must have done something bad, right? Um, we, can, we can kind of fall into thinking that, that if something bad is happening to me or something good is happening to me, it's because of something that I've done to merit it or deserve it. Um, but Daniel uh, has not committed these sins, and yet he is praying and confessing for his people. The 44th General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in America in Mobile in 2016, um, the act of the General Assembly was the leadership of our church confessed sin. We confessed our racial discrimination, and there were people who said, why should we confess for things that we didn't commit? Uh, we weren't around then, we didn't do that then, and the answer to that question is Daniel chapter 9. Here's what the General Assembly said. Therefore, be it resolved that the 44th General Assembly of the Presbyterian Church in America does recognize, confess, condemn, and repent of corporate and historical sins, including those committed during the civil rights era and continuing racial sins of ourselves and our fathers, such as the segregation of worshipers by race, the exclusion of persons from church membership on the basis of race, the exclusion of churches or elders from membership in the presbyteries on the basis of race, 
The teaching that the Bible sanctions racial segregation and discourages interracial marriages. The participation in and defense of white supremacist organizations. The failure to live out the gospel imperative that love does no wrong to a neighbor. Be it further resolved that this General Assembly does recognize, confess, condemn, and repent of past failures to love brothers and sisters from minority cultures in accordance with the gospel, what the gospel requires, as well as failures to lovingly confront our brothers and sisters concerning racial sins and personal bigotry and failing to learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, be it further resolved that this General Assembly praises and recommits itself to the gospel task of racial reconciliation, diligently seeking effective courses of action to further that goal with humility, sincerity, and zeal for the glory of God and the furtherance of the gospel. So we as a church confessed our sin. And Daniel confesses the sin of people and the sins they committed centuries before uh, he lived. Not only do we confess corporately, but of course we confess personally. It's personal sin in your life. And we can do that because the blood of Jesus covers our sins, that we're righteous in God's sight because of our faith in Jesus. And so we're safe to confess our sins. The Bible says that our sins are uh, cast as far as the east is from the west. So far does he remove our transgressions from us. In 1 John 1, 8 and 9 we read, If we have no sin, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, but the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There are times in our relationships, our human relationships, that if we confess a weakness, it can be used against us. Even in the best of our relationships, even in our friendships, even in our marriages, we can be concerned about that. But God says that he will not use it against us, that he casts our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. We can come to him and confess and be forgiven by God. Fifthly, uh, we learn that we pray with both humility and boldness. Daniel comes in his prayer and he prays with humility. Verse 3, please for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Verse 9, we've sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled. Verse 6, we have not listened to your servants, the prophets. Verse 7, to you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. To us, open shame. I'm reminded of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What do you need to confess to God right now? What do you need to pray and ask, Lord, uh, this is something that personally I need to get right with you today. And we come boldly before the throne of grace as well. Daniel not only came in humility, but in boldness. Verse 19, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by by your name. Daniel said, you promised. You keep your promise. You are great. Act in accordance with your greatness. You are merciful. Act in accordance with your mercy. There's no equivocation. There's no humming and hawing 
he makes the bold ask. And I think oftentimes we uh, can find our prayer life to be uh, boring and flat, uh, sort of like a Coke can that you open up on the counter and you leave it there for a day and you come back and drink it. It doesn't taste so good. It's just flat. And our prayers can be flat because they lack uh, the, the passion of humility before God and they, act, they lack the bold ask of God. And instead, our prayers oftentimes can be sort of um, a fairly mundane grocery list of things that we bring before God. So we pray with humility and we pray with boldness. And we can do that because we are in a covenant relationship with God. The Israelites were in a covenant relationship with God mediated by the law. We are in a covenant relationship with God mediated by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24 and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant to the sprinkled blood 1 Corinthians 11.25, in the same way we, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We have a bond with God through Jesus Christ. We are his people. He is our Savior. He is our God. Um, I said it would be um, make an impression if you were splattered with blood here. Uh, We don't need to do that anymore because that was a sign of the reality that would come in Jesus Christ shedding of his own blood, uh, that he would die in your place for the forgiveness of your sins so that you could be reconciled with God and have that bond with him forever. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we did last week, just as we read in the text, this is the blood of the new covenant that is portrayed symbolically before you. There's a sense in which every time we partake of the Lord's Supper, it is a covenant renewal that is taking place, that we are saying, yes, I know that you are are our God, and we are your people, and we are bound to you through the work of Jesus Christ. How is it that we become part of that covenant relationship, whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood to be received by God? faith. It's not simply faith in general, just kind of have some goodwill and just hope. It's faith in the blood of Jesus, faith in what Jesus has purchased for you, a new relationship with God through the forgiveness of your sins now and forever, and that you are part of his eternal family, and that you have that bond with him based not on what you do, but what Jesus Christ has done in his life and his death on the cross, faith in his blood. And so maybe for some of you, prayers are nothing more than sort of a a Hail Mary. You know, after you've tried everything else, let's might as well see what happens if I go to God. Maybe you haven't even come to know God really through Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never come into this covenant relationship. You can do by faith, relying on him, trusting in him, for that bond, for that eternal life, for that forgiveness. And when you put your faith in him and rely on him, you are made part of his family. You become part of this covenant relationship. And for all of us, for all of us, we want to grow in our intimacy. We want to grow in the awareness of the grandeur of God as we come to him 
in prayer. And so as we come today, we learn about prayer from the book of Daniel. And we say, Daniel, teach us to pray. So let's go to him in prayer right now. Father, we do come as your people who have entered into covenant with you, covenant relationship, a bond through the blood of Jesus Christ. We come to you as our great and our awesome and our holy, righteous and all-powerful God. And we come to you one as one who is our Father who cares intimately and deeply for us. And we pray, Father, that you would um, make our prayer lives more and more vital, both for our good and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.